Hey y'all, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we are talking about your three and four Detroit Pistons. Joseph Sinke, a.k.a. Joe Truck, joins Ben and I to talk about how well Andre Drummond has played to open the season, the ripple effects of the Reggie Jackson injury, and what the Pistons need to do to escape the bottom third of the league on defense. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing? Doing great. Riding high from a great day of sports yesterday. Awesome Michigan football route. And, of course, one of the most exciting games of this young season uh, in an unexpected win that I think everyone's probably still talking about, still pretty excited about. So doing really good. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing good, and I'm uh, I'm also pleased to be joined by uh, Joe Truck, Joseph Sinky, uh, new Bad Boys edition. Uh, how are you doing, Joe? I'm doing swell. How are you? I I am so glad to hear that. That makes uh, that fills me with joy. So I'm going to give you guys the choice of what you want to talk about first. Do you want to talk about how amazing Andre Drummond is, or do you want to talk about the ripple effects of the Reggie Jackson injury? I'm going to give you the good and the bad. You guys can pick. It's your podcast, Ben. <laughs> no, I, I say we got to talk about Andre Drummond. I mean, he's been fantastic. Laz, I want you to read the stat line, and then I think maybe wax poetic about how good he's been. So Andre's been literally amazing. You can make a case that he's been the best center in the NBA through his seven games. He's averaging 22-18 with two assists, uh, a combined like five stocks. His usage rate is at 25, which is a little lower than I actually expected without Blake and without Reggie. Um, he's pretty good at defense. 108.9 defensive rating is better than the, the team defensive rating. He's facing the third most attempts at the rim, um, but he's also leading the team in turnovers at four a game, which is not completely unexpected with the usage rate at 25%. But it feels like we do this podcast every November, Ben, right? Like the first 10 games of the year, we come out and we're like, oh, my God, Andre Drummond is so good. Like how like and then uh, it falls off towards we get later in the December, we get later in our early January. And so I don't want to do that podcast again. I, I don't want to say like let I want to ask if Andre Drummond, if if he's amazing or not and how long can he keep this up? He's been amazing. He's going to regress. He's not going to bring out a 2020 game every night like he has the last three nights. So, Joe, how long does this improved Andre Drummond play last? And when he regresses, would you rather see him do it defensively or offensively? I mean, anyone who knows me knows that I've thought Andre has been pretty spectacular for at least the previous two seasons. 
Um, so this is a different level, but it's not actually that far off what he was doing, quite frankly, last season after the All-Star break. Um, so I would probably say um, that at least that sort of, so you read his line. Oh, oops. I accidentally clicked on the wrong thing. But so it's not that far off what Andre was doing before the All-Star, after the All-Star break of um, of last season. So I feel like he can at least keep up to that level. Um, so after the All-Star break last season, he had, obviously the counting numbers are smaller, which is expected because, you know, Blake Griffin would be around. But after the All-Star break last season, it was 17 points, 17 rebounds, two assists per game. Um, true shooting percentage is 64%. And um, so, you know, I mean, the counting stats obviously will go down when Blake comes back because, you know, Blake is going to score like 20-some points per game and handle the ball a bunch and such. But that's okay. Like you mentioned, um, he's got four turnovers a game, which a little bit like with – so Derek Rose has turned the ball over a lot too. Um, it's hard to complain too much about either of those guys turning the ball over given the situation where – um, you know, so like Derek Rose's usage percent is usage rate is like 36%, which is absurd. Uh, so, you know, when, when you're getting, when you're asking guys to obviously extend their offensive games beyond where you'd ideally want them to be, you kind of expect that at least some of that is going to happen, but it really is remarkable that he's doing this while at the same time, he's being assisted on less of his buckets than he ever has in his career. I think he's only being assisted on like 53% of his field goals, which is pretty remarkable that he's putting up career bests in not just scoring, but also scoring efficiency while doing more of it on his own. Um, the most likely regression is definitely going to be offensively on defense. He's made small improvements pretty much every season. Um, so I see no reason why to believe that he hasn't made another step this season. And it's just those small steps have added up to the point where he's just that good now. Um, and the main spot on offense is definitely with his finishing around the hoop. So Andre's always been a, and you know, as a big athletic guy, he's always been a pretty good finisher around the hoop, but, uh, partially by nature of the Pistons offense, not always being very good. Um, he often has to finish through, um, a lot of traffic. And so he's basically been incredible at this this season. So I'm using basketball references, um, field goal percentages on this, which isn't always as accurate as some others. But um, just going off of this, within three feet, Andre Drummond is shooting 80%. Um, his previous career Jeez. best would have been a few years ago, he shot 68%. So there's definitely a degree to which I think he definitely, he definitely looks like he has improved on that in his game. I would not be shocked if he puts up a career best, but 80% would be, especially given that so much of it is being created by himself, um, that would be pure insanity. So that's the main spot where I would look for a regression is that some of those, and because some of these finishes that he's getting, they're on the move through multiple guys in traffic, you know, finishing around guys, not just over guys. Um, you know, for pretty much anybody, you would look at that and go, that's probably going to come down. Like, this could be LeBron James. It'd be like, probably not going to hit quite as many of those, right? Uh, so that's <laughs> yeah. going to come down at least some. But that's sort of the big thing I would say to watch for what's going to be able to hold or not. Because like I said, he's made small improvements on defense pretty much every year for the last, like, four seasons. So I don't see why he wouldn't have made another small improvement this season. 
Um, and then, you know, the rebounding, obviously the numbers will go down when Blake comes back because Blake, you know, rebounds more than anyone else who's playing with him right now. Uh, obviously the points will go down when Blake comes back as well. But in terms of his like overall impact and sort of what he is doing on the floor, that's the main spot I would watch for in terms of his actual effectiveness. That's not just, well, Blake's not playing, so he's got the ball and doing a lot more. Uh, would be that. So he'll probably not finish as well around the hoop, but hopefully he keeps up that that's a real thing that he has improved. Because in my opinion, that was really the last kind of, uh, that was kind of the last piece to his archetype was going from being a pretty good finisher in traffic to being an elite finisher in traffic. So that's kind of my my take on it. That was pretty comprehensive. Uh, ben, what, what would you prefer Andre be worse at slightly when the time comes. Yeah, I think it's got to be offense. Um, Blake Griffin's going to come back and carry the load. We're seeing right now out of Andre Drummond, sort of that hub that we saw prior to the Blake Griffin trade. I just wanted to call that out. He's done a fantastic job of taking over some of the offensive facilitation as well. To Joe's points about him finishing better, very close to the hoop. um, I'd be really interested to see someone do a breakdown on this. To my eyeballs, it looks like, we're seeing less, uh, you know, sort of those over-the-shoulder baby hooks and more face-up dribble drives, and he's actually been extremely effective. It doesn't always look pretty, but he's been extremely effective um, 15 feet and in, getting to the rim and actually scoring uh, very craftily around the rim, not necessarily dunking a lot, but really crafty around the hoop. So I, I hope that that's sustainable, that that, you know, move away from the this baby hook and toward putting the ball on the floor. I hope that's sustainable defensively right now, I mean, he's essentially the anchor. The Pistons have two really big problems. Mike Snyder's got a great piece up on the blog right now about Pistons pick and roll coverage. And I'd, I'd recommend reading that and watching those uh, videos as opposed to us trying to talk through all that. But the long and the short of it is Dre's doing a good job in the pick and roll, but the, the rotation behind Dre is what the problem is. And the second thing is uh, just perimeter penetration outside of the pick and roll. And I think last night, I think it was in the third quarter when Dre exited, like immediately um, the Pistons gave up a couple buckets right in front of the rim off the dribble. Dre has really held down the paint. And I think the scheme that Casey's running, I think, is sort of susceptible um, to dribble penetration and susceptible to um, sort of that second pass out of the pick and roll. And Dre has been doing a really, really good job of mitigating some of it, right? He can't mitigate all of it because I think the scheme is sort of designed to give some of those up for whatever reason. So I I think I prefer a little bit of an offensive regression, but I think ultimately Joe is right. I think we're going to see some of those counting stats go down a little bit, and that's where we'll see the regression. I'm hoping that his approach to offense, putting the ball on the floor, getting through him instead of posting up, um, will continue to stay the same. And, and as a result of that, hopefully that efficiency stays up as well because he, he's really been fantastic inside scoring the basketball. Yeah, the the hub stuff I think is uh, slightly overblown. Uh, the the self-creation point that Joe brought up earlier is, is more uh, of what I've seen from him versus like him distributing. Uh, I think he only had, he had three assists last night and all of them came in like the first five minutes of the game. And so uh, I think you you definitely see teams uh, begin to like sag off of him and, and make him drive and make him uh, a, a face up guy. And he's been effective at that. But um, I, don't, I don't think you you 
necessarily see him as uh as a like this amazing passer i, and I, I don't just think you want him to be right like i mean this yeah. is this is stopgap i mean it's assist rates up in double digits which it hasn't been since 1718 right before they acquired blake griffin but yeah. i don't think you want him to be i think he's just by necessity featured more in the offense than he really ought to be or needs to be and so in that sense i don't even consider like a, a air quotes regression a bad thing like i don't think you want andre drummond to be this much of your offense for 82 games you want blake griffin to step in and take some of that off his shoulders yeah and and like the last time he was the hub of the offense his turnovers are up and just like last time yeah when he stops operating in that way his turnovers will go down yep. and that'll make him a more effective offensive player so that'll be good but um one thing i I'd, I'd like to put in go there. for it so um ben you brought up so you know, he's done a lot less of the sort of baby hooks and a lot more going to the hoop for layups and such. Um, one thing is that because he's now shown that he's able to um, finish them, team's going to make a counter to it, I think. And you're going to start to see that pretty soon. And that's going to do that's going to have a lot to say about um, where his scoring efficiency ends up for the whole season, because basically he's sort of fully mastered the art of basically just a lot of times if he's got it on the wing. He'll essentially just race his defender to yes. the baseline, get himself between his defender and the baseline. And at that point, he's so good at it now that, I mean, that's basically a wrap, right? So I think, though, when when teams when teams force him to the center of the floor, he's a lot more likely to put up those baby hooks still. So I think that now that he's sort of proving to people that, no, if you give me the baseline, I'm going to take it and I'm going to just score repeatedly – um, teams are going to start to shade him a lot more to try and force him to the middle of the floor. And then from there, he's going to have to either be more assertive and, you know, forcing his way to the hoop anyways, and or hit those hook shots, which obviously is probably not going to happen slash not ideal or be a better passer going forward. So that's going to be a, that's going to have a lot to say about whether or not his face-up game can remain this effective all season, because right now, he's kind of able to get to the spots he wants because it's early in the season and people are not ready for him to be this effective at it. Clearly he's worked on it. Something that he showed last year that that was definitely improving, but he's really put that specific move all the way together. And I think the teams are going to start to adjust to it as the season goes on. So that that's why. Yeah, no, that was a, there was a moment in the bulls game where Wendell Carter cut off his drive to the middle and he just like elbowed him in the chest and committed an offensive foul essentially. And I think you you will see teams start to to do that. That's a good call out, Joe. Okay, that is as 14 minutes on Andre Drummond. He deserved, he deserved 14 it. minutes. He deserved it. And we, and we gave it to him. Uh so now the the bad news. Uh Reggie Jackson is out with a uh stress fracture in his back. He is he'll be reevaluated in 4 weeks, which is uh just like with Blake Griffin. That doesn't mean he'll necessarily like be back on the court in four weeks. It means that the medical staff will will take another like really hard look at where he is in his recovery in that time, and so he'll probably be back in five or six weeks more likely. Uh, ben, how did the uh, Reggie Jackson news change your expectations for the the whole season essentially? Oh man, I was super concerned um, before yesterday's game, and I'm still concerned, but a little bit less so. But I was very very concerned because. Prior to Bruce Brown, dominant point guard of the future, showing up for a game, um, he's been really bad. And I was not at all confident that uh, he was going to acquit himself well. He obviously did for one game. It remains to be seen 
uh, how much of that can sustain itself. But I was super worried. And of course, um, to have all three of your point guards out at the same time uh, doesn't really give you much of a choice, but to try and get creative. And I mentioned on Twitter, kudos to Dwayne Casey for being creative and, and quick shout out to him because I, I rip on him a little bit. That was very, very masterfully done last night. Um, this is obviously concerning. Tim Fraser has really struggled. I think he's a better player than he's shown so far. Uh, I don't know how much better, but I think he's certainly better than he's been for the Pistons so far. So I, I think just law of averages, he's got to improve a little bit. Um, obviously, Derrick Rose has been incredible, but he's on minute restrictions and obviously sat out a game already. Um, you, you know, he's the he's the bonus. He's not the guy you count on to give you 82 games necessarily. So the Pistons do have a very real challenge. And this is the kind of injury for Reggie that uh, this can linger and linger and linger. So um, this is honestly kind of scary. I've been saying since early this summer, 60 games out of Reggie Jackson, 60 games out of Derrick Rose, as long as they're no, not both out for the, the same period of extended time, this looks like a winning team to me. Um, you know, this, this concerns me. I want to see another week or two of Bruce Brown at point guard to see you know, how many of these types of games does he have in him and how many of those 0 for 4 games does he have in him before I render a final judgment. But I, I got to be honest, I'm a little worried about what the Pistons are going to do here. Um, you know, Laz, you've talked about Kyrie Thomas as a potential ball handler. Last night would have been the game for him to play if the Pistons had him in their plans in that sort of role. Obviously, he got a DNP coach's decision. Uh, so it looks like they don't have him in the plan. So point guard, obviously a big concern right now. And and I, I'm worried. Uh, I'm definitely worried. Get get healthy Blake Griffin is about all I can say because uh, he can obviously play the point guard position from the, the power forward slot. And the Pistons need him now more than more than they ever have. Joe, uh, how did how did the Jack Reggie Jackson injury news change your expectations for the rest of the year? Um certainly lowers them a bit. Uh, my understanding is that we should probably expect him to be out for six weeks. Um, that's usually what those take uh, to fully heal. So if it's before six weeks, that'd probably be fortunate. And another thing is um, supposedly Tim Frazier might miss more than a couple of games, allegedly, which would also not be ideal. You got sources on that or what? Uh, Sources of sources, you know, it's like through the grapevine along a great the grapevine. That's cool. I didn't mean to put you on the spot skeptically. I'm just I hadn't seen that, so I'm just no, curious. No, it's it's very much through the grapevine of like a person who knows mm-hmm. a person who knows a person. But um, that's just kind of what I've heard that there's a good chance Tim Frazier, like okay, Tim Frazier is probably not going to come out and play like the next game. Supposedly, um, I may well be totally wrong about that, but we'll see. So, I think the. The main thing now is just you can't really – what it really means is they can't afford to have a lot else go wrong with the season is really where it's at. Because if you think about it as if this Pistons team had had, like, everything go right. So everybody more or less stays healthy within reason. You know, nobody misses a significant chunk of games. Um, nobody has, like, a really just bad season by their standards. You know, the absolute upside for this team was, like, what the most optimistic, maybe 48 wins, maybe. Um, And then everything that goes wrong sort of knocks that down a bit, right? 
and Reggie Jackson potentially missing like the first two months of the season now, um, that that's a pretty big knock on that. So like if Blake comes back in, which should be soon, um, if he comes back and he's actually like 80% and not 100% and, you know, that's what he is this season, that's yet another thing. If Tim Frazier actually is going to miss significant time, that's another thing. At some point, Derrick Rose is probably going to miss like 20 games, just the reality is. So that'll be yet another thing. So it just kind of, there's enough things that pile up to a certain point that it's just, it's hard to overcome. So it's certainly not a deal breaker, especially if Blake comes back and he's all the way ready to go. Uh, Reggie Jackson obviously makes this team better, but they can survive without him. But it certainly is, uh, it's not a good thing. And the other thing is that um, even with last night's game, um, I, I'm not sure that I believe all the way in Bruce Brown as a point guard. Um, he, he can do some stuff, but they ran a really, they had him do really, really simplified stuff. Um, there were like, they basically had him do nothing complicated. Uh, the most point guardy thing that they had him do was go, well, Kyrie Irving is terrible at defense. So just wait for him to run into Andre and dive into the hoop and hope DeAndre Jordan doesn't block the hell out of you. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the most complex thing they did. So I'm really, and he can be a placeholder occasionally, but if Bruce Brown is going to be playing significant minutes at point guard for them, that's not good. Uh, and last night, quite frankly, didn't lead, give me a whole lot of evidence that it's going to be all that good because that's like the upside is he can be sort of passable. He was still pretty inefficient scoring the ball. And also, he still has not looked the same defensively this season, which is actually a bigger concern to me because guys don't usually get worse defensively when they're that young. It's still early, but that's a little bit of a concern too. So it's certainly not like a season over kind of thing. Hypothetically, they can certainly keep afloat for six weeks if Blake Griffin comes back and is ready to go. Uh, and then if Reggie's able to come back and he's all the way ready to go whenever that is, they could still be fine. But it's just kind of one more thing that they can't have a lot else go wrong. That's probably where I'd put it. No, I I, I see where you're coming from, Joe. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I also agree that they didn't really have Bruce Brown do a lot of complex things as the, you know, allegedly point guard last night. But it was still there were things I was I was very encouraged by last night. Um, you know, Kyrie doesn't like playing defense. And so having him just like, hey, just Andre run into Kyrie and give Bruce Brown a floater. Uh, it was encouraging to see that Bruce Brown make that floater. That's not something yes. I think we've seen him pull out of his bag of tricks before. And so if he's if he's added to that, like that is something that will be that'll be extremely useful. Uh, Reggie Jackson, of course, has made like a living uh, floating guys to death off of Andre Drummond picks and Bruce Brown can do the same. But um, but yeah, you w- even when Blake comes back, you can't. Uh, you can't do the same types of things you were doing with Blake and Reggie with, with Blake and Bruce at, at point guard. You you just can't. And so I'm also concerned with, with how that's going to go. Um, the Tim Frazier uh, sources of sources of hearsay is, uh, is interesting to me because like, you know, it, it would suck to lose all, all three point guards essentially at, at the same time. But um, if, if Tim Frazier can't go, um, I would assume I will, I, I, let me just ask, like Joe, would you, would you start Derrick Rose uh, in in the case Tim Frazier can't go and use Bruce Brown as a as a backup point guard, quote unquote? 
I mean, even if Tim Frazier is able to go, since Reggie Jackson is missing this much time, I'd just start Derrick Rose because the main argument for keeping him on the bench while Reggie's hurt is that, you know, you want him to build that chemistry and such. But if it's going to be more than a few games, which obviously now it is, Derrick Rose is, particularly if Blake is going to be a few games yet, and Derrick Rose is clearly their best point guard other than Reggie Jackson. So at that point, I'd say just start him because as we've you we've all talked about this, the Pistons starting lineup has typically gotten blitzed this season. So I'd say, yeah, because Reggie Jackson is going to miss enough time that it's not worth not starting, you know, the guy who so far has been your second best player uh, just to try and keep chemistry with the bench if it's going to be like, two months well no the the reason for starting him is so they have to keep his minutes low right like that that yeah you can play in the same minutes though just i just play him with the starters play your best guys against their best guys that your starting lineup doesn't get blitzed every night yeah that's fair what do you would you start Derek rose ben it's a good it's it's a really good question it's i think it's actually a a really hard question um because I would, in a perfect world, I would want to stagger Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin apart from each other so that you've, to me, I, I just don't see how those two work together particularly well, right? Like, yeah, we, we've been together too long, Ben, because I was thinking <laughs> the exact same yeah. thing. I don't, I think you split those guys apart. Um, and I want to, I want to be a little, uh, I, I echo Joe's comments. I'm not sold on Bruce Brown yet. As fun as that game was, and as much as he deserves credit for how he played, he's still got a lot to prove, but there, there are two things about last night's game um, that make me think that my my pessimism is more like a Pavlovian response to being a pet Pistons fan. The first one is they only had eight turnovers that entire game, and they didn't have a single turnover in the second half. That, to me, is the difference between a win and a loss. Um, I think you have to credit to some degree the way that the Pistons played in the half court as a result of simplifying a bit and being a little more cautious as a result of having their, their point guards all injured uh, with some of that. Right. And the second thing that I think all three point guards being injured forced Casey and the team to do was get into some legitimate offensive sets where you had structured off the ball movement and off the ball screens happening. So you did have those really wonky Bruce Bond, Andre Drummond pick and rolls that essentially like got initiated at 17 feet from the basket. Right. And it was like the defense had no idea what to do because, well, I'm supposed to sag off Bruce Brown and I'm supposed to sag off Dre. So what do I do? Well, Dre's just going to run both of them over and Bruce Brown's going to throw up a floater and make it right. Um, but you also had, you know, like Svi got an open look in the second half. Kennard was really good moving without the ball. Uh, Bruce and Langston had a couple nice, like sort of dribble handoffs from point guard to shooting guard. Um, so I, I sort of think you just roll with Bruce Brown for a game or two and see if you can continue some of that motion-based offense with your starting unit. And then when Derrick Rose is back and hopefully, and healthy, hopefully that's not very long at all, you put him and Blake Griffin sort of an opposite unit so that you've got one guy who can really be sort of your default, right? When there's 10 seconds on the shot clock and nothing worked, you give the, the ball to somebody who can put the ball in the floor and get something done and make something happen. So that's how I'd go about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm when I'm thinking of starting Derrick Rose with Blake Griffin, I'm thinking of like Derrick Rose just like running into three guys as he's wont to do and uh, doing his like jump bailout passes and Blake just being like, what is happening? <laughs> and so like I, I really don't – like this is the timeline for the Bruce Brown-Luke Kennard 
uh, backcourt of the future was like next year, not this year. And so we're, we're throwing that out the window immediately and pushing this thing way up before it's ready. So that make that makes me uncomfortable, but it ultimately it, it really feels to me like Derek Rose's best place for this team is coming off the bench and closing games. And, uh, so you have to do whatever it takes to uh, facilitate him being effective in that role. And if that means starting Bruce Brown, that means that means starting Bruce Brown um, as 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 many reservations as I have about that. That's kind of what it is, what it is. Um, yeah. So, OK, the next thing I want to talk about was the uh, was the defense. Um, the Pistons have are there in the lower third of NBA teams right now in defensive rating. It, it is early. There are teams with like sub 100 defensive ratings, but like, and like that's probably not going to last, but the, I don't think you can watch any of the Pistons game this past week and say like, they've been like amazing defensively. Um, they allowed 125 points to the Raptors this week. have already given up 117 points twice. Uh, ben, how in your mind, how can the, how can the defense improve and get better? Yeah, so I hinted at this. To me, they just have these two glaring problems. Their pick-and-roll coverage is terrible after the first rotation. Um, again, look at Mike's piece. He's got some brilliant breakdowns of this with some videos. So go to DetroitBadBoys.com and read that piece because he put it into to words and videos better than I can do it justice just talking about it. And the second thing is dribble penetration. Um, you know, Joe mentioned this. Bruce Brown hasn't been the lockdown guy necessarily. Um, but I think also maybe Blake Griffin is quite a bit better team defender than I've given him credit for. I think Blake coming back has to help. Um, Markeith Morris, I don't think has been very good offensively. Uh, he's just sort of meh defensively. And when you look at the Pistons, you know, starting front court, you've got Andre Drummond playing, I think pretty good team defense. Then you've got Markeith Morris backed up by Thon Maker and then Dre backed up by Christian Wood. Neither of those guys has been outstanding. And Thon is obviously ahead of Christian Wood, who has really struggled uh, with team defense. So the Pistons just can't afford to give up penetration off the dribble, whether that's an isolation or pick and roll, and they're doing it far too much. Their front court players simply just aren't getting it done in terms of rotations being late, uh, in, in terms of not being uh, a shot-blocking presence. Blake's going to help with that specifically around that rotation. Uh, we saw last year fantastic at drawing charges and maybe a little bit as a floor general getting people where they need to be. Um, and part of me is kind of thinking, Les, I'm getting a little bit of what I asked for because I wanted this team to go in all to go all in offensively. Fortunately, they haven't been able to because all their guys have been hurt. <laughs> been hurt but yeah. uh, I did get my wish defensively. They have. Whew, they've been really bad. I think this has to get better. It just has to uh, because they're essentially the same squad. And uh, I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if it's guys just blowing assignments. There's definitely work to be done. They're not a bottom third defense. They're just not. They're better than that. Uh, so I have to think it picks up. And I'm hoping Blake Griffin can help make a little bit of that happen. Yeah, Joe, you, you've really been on the contributions Blake will make as a team defender because of his communication, right? Yeah, I mean, it does say something about where we're at defensively that we're looking at Blake Griffin like, oh, he will help things. <laughs> um, like, overall, Blake is certainly not a particularly good – when he wants to be, he can be, but he's that dude is one of the laziest defenders I've ever seen. 
But yeah, I mean, he mostly makes the right reads. Um, he's a good communicator and perhaps as much as anything, he's just, he's, he's huge. So when Andre isn't down there, he's going to help clean up the glass. Um, he's just, even if he's not like, he's not tall enough to be a consistent rim protector, he's wide. So it's hard to go around him, that sort of thing. So when he's able to stay around the paint, which he often does when Andre ends up not around there, he just, he just gives that little bit of backup for when Andre can't be down there, whether it's because Andre's not in the game or just he's out on the perimeter for whatever reason, that without Blake, the Pistons just have no one who can do that, like, at all. I mean, like, think about it like this. Is there anyone other than Andre Drummond um, that isn't a point guard that is a plus rebounder for their position on this team? Bruce Brown, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe Bruce Brown. Chris, Luke Kennard actually is a pretty decent rebounder for his position, but Christian like, Wood, maybe. Well, he is when he plays, but he just it, yeah, he doesn't play a lot. Um, and that when he plays power forward, he can, but when he plays center, he's still pretty skinny. He's got such huge hands, though. He grabs the ball, and he he's good at grabbing the ball. But <laughs> um, you know, so it's just Blake just sort of brings that that extra guy who's big and physical enough that. He can sort of just do those big man stuff down low when Andre isn't down there, which is helpful. And yeah, so it, it does say something about the state of the defense, though, that we're sitting here. I also tweeted this the other day that they also miss Reggie Jackson Yikes. on defense. Reggie Jackson, like, mostly gave a crap. And also, even though not very fast, he mostly did the right stuff. And because he's got such long arms, it helped him keep within range of guys. So it's just... It's not a good sign when you're looking at Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson like, oh, man, the defense would be better with those two guys on the floor. That really says a lot about how bad everyone else has been. Les, I need to hear what you think about the defense because I've talked a lot. What are you seeing, man? I, I really want to hear your take on this. The the guards are yeah. the problem. The guards yeah. are the problem. Uh, so first, the people were really charged up about the uh, the turnovers, meaning defense off, the offense was leading to bad defensive possessions, uh, getting other team getting out in transition and scoring easy baskets. Um, they appear to have lo- locked a little bit of that down. And also, uh, I think, shout out to, to Cross-Eyed on DBB. Uh, he was saying he had some, uh, he looked up the uh, the proportion of transition opportunities that teams were getting, and it was functionally very similar to what it had been last year. And so, you know, kind of eliminates that. Um, you know, Bruce has not been uh, effective defensively. We we kind of been over that, but uh, like I noticed this in the first game, like um, Derrick Rose and Malcolm Brogdon like could not stay in front of one another. And Derrick Rose has played a lot. Derrick Rose can't stay in front of anybody, uh, and he's played a lot of very important minutes for this team. This team, um, Luke Kennard is uh, he tries for the most part, and he's in the mo- and he tends to be in the right place, but he's not an, an impact guy. I thought Tony Snell would be uh, – I didn't think he would be – he's very – he's solid, but uh, he has not made, like, an impact defensively. Um, and I thought, you know, with his length and with the yeah. uh, athleticism yeah. he has that he would be uh, a little bit more of an impact defender, and, and that hasn't happened. Um, you know, playing playing lineups of, like, Rose, Luke, uh, insert, you know, secondary wing player here is like that those lineups are going to have trouble defensively especially if andre drummond isn't on the floor um you know we've talked uh you know that's enough for the guards you know Thonmaker can't grab any rebounds that tends to be a problem uh, even though he's been like the better of the two 
uh, backup defensive bigs. And so for me, it was just they did a, a better job against Brooklyn of getting the shooters, uh, forcing shooters to forcing Brooklyn shooters off the line and not letting them take easy threes. Um, but they have to they have to get over screens and, and they have to uh, they have to help Andre out because Andre oh is the gosh, one yeah. hedging on ball handlers, keeping guys uh, out, holding them in that like middle zone of like 15 to 10 ish feet and then trying to recover back to the big. And like he needs help on that front. Uh, essentially and that and like once once they get into that that'll make the defense better i mean a little bit of that was helped uh because they inserted bruce brown into the starting lineup and you had lineups where langston and bruce were, were playing together more often and both of those guys are i think the the two uh best perimeter defenders the pistons have but yeah the if uh if uh, you know two-thirds of your guards aren't good defensively like you're not going to be a good defensive team and so that that uh that needs to change yeah, let me shout out one thing about rebounding too, because Andre Drummond is putting out like a Herculean effort defensive rebounding wise. His de- his defensive rebounding rate is forty four percent, right? So that means forty for forty four percent of the time there's a defensive rebound to be had. Andre Drummond gets it while he's on the floor, which is nuts. But then when you look at their team level defensive rebounding year over year. They're actually down seven and a half percent in terms of their defensive rebounding rate from a year ago, which means someone else needs to grab a damn rebound besides Andre Drummond, because you don't it doesn't matter how good your defense is for 24 seconds. If you're giving up second chance opportunities, someone else has to rebound the basketball besides Andre Drummond. All right, Joe, uh, we talked a little bit about the turnovers like in our conversation earlier. Um They've cut down on the turnovers. They had 16 against Chicago and eight, of course, against Brooklyn, as Ben pointed out. Um, we talked a little bit about how the offensive system was was simplified to uh, and how that helped cut down on the turnovers. Is that something you expect to continue? Or how, in your mind, Joe, how did, how did the Pistons cut down on their turnover problem? Pray Blake Griffin is healthy. <laughs> Soon. And that's really it. Um, so, like... Okay, so I put this in um, – I, I, it hasn't gone up yet, but I put this in um, my film review. I actually talked about it quite a bit. So Bruce Brown didn't have any turnovers, but there were like three plays where he drove to the hoop and he just was dead in the water. He tried to put up a floater and just got absolutely blasted by, um, by DeAndre Jordan. And when that happened, each time, even though technically that went in the books as a blocked shot – DeAndre Jordan swatted it right to a teammate and they were on the fast break. And so even though, yeah, that's a missed shot instead of a turnover in practice, that's really a, that's a live ball turnover. So even though he didn't turn the ball over, there are still quite a few plays where he kind of blew a read in such a way that it gave a, a transition opportunity to the other team. And the reality is that whether it's Bruce, whether it's Luke Kennard, whether it's Derek Rose, whether it's Andre Drummond, um, anytime that you have to have guys stretch their offensive game beyond where they really ought to be, turnovers and or inefficient scoring is going to be the result. Now, somehow, most of their guys have still been efficient scoring the ball. Both Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond have been stupendously efficient. So has Luke Kennard. But turnovers are just going to be a reality of that. Um, I mean, I've talked about this with Koo and also in my um, recaps and such that for now at least – I'm not going to complain too much about Derrick Rose or Andre Drummond turning the ball over too much just because they're being asked to do more than you re- they really should be asked to do. So 
you know, the main thing is to make sure that the turnovers are coming off of aggressive plays. So Luke Kennard has been a pretty bad um, culprit of this, where there's been a couple times where he's just lost the ball just carelessly and just had his pocket picked. Um, Derek Rose has done that once or twice too, but it's just, that's the sort of thing that they can't have happen. They can't have just stupid turnovers, but at the very least until Blake comes back and everyone can settle back a little bit so that he does all that really hard stuff, um, they're going to have turnovers and we should just be thankful that they only have a turnover issue and not a, we have a true shooting percentage of 48% issue (laughs) because I'm I, it wouldn't be that bad, but it's actually pretty shocking that their offense has stayed as effective as it has so far. So, yeah, as long as they're coming out of aggression, I'm not going to worry too much because someone has to force something. You know, I mean, Blake Griffin isn't here. Reggie Jackson's not here. So until Blake gets back and then hopefully eventually Reggie, someone's got to force something and they're guys that, you know, Derek can do that, but he shouldn't be doing it as much as he is doing. They also, without Blake and Reggie, have a decrease in shooting on the floor, which is an underrated thing of them both not being there. I mean, last season, Blake Griffin was like their best volume shooter on the team, and Reggie Jackson was like their third best volume shooter on the team. You know, so that's another thing that's underrated about those guys not being there is that the team's spacing has suffered significantly. Like the drop-off in shooting from Blake to Markeith Morris, that's significant. And then obviously the drop-off in shooting from Jackson to Derrick Rose or Bruce Brown is huge. So... It's just, it's tough sledding, so they're going to turn the ball over, and it kind of, it's not good, but as long as they can try and avoid the really stupid turnovers, um, and it's just, you know, they're trying to make plays, and sometimes it doesn't work, you just kind of have to live with it right now and hope that when Blake comes back, it sort of stabilizes everything, because then, you know, Derrick Rose is no longer has a usage rate on par with James Harden, and Andre Drummond is getting assisted on more of his buckets. He's at a career low of assisted buckets, like I said earlier. You know, so hopefully that just sort of in the rest of the dominoes kind of start to fall in place there. But I think that's the best hope. I think it's unrealistic to hope they cut down on him too much until then. Morris was averaging over 40% from three earlier this week. He is down to uh, 33% from three on roughly four attempts a game, give or take. Yeah, and look, Markeith has actually been not bad. decent yeah, not bad. this season. Um, he's filled in pretty well. Uh, those like, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but those like three possessions a game where he gets a smaller guy in him and he just runs right down to the low block and just bullies them for an easy bucket. That matters. Um, he's been one of the few guys who hasn't been like an abject disaster on defense, even though he doesn't help rebound a lot. So, you know, Morris has been okay. Just he's not as good a shooter as Blake Griffin, which is also remarkable considering that it's Blake Griffin. If you would have said that a couple of years ago, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So the uh, Pistons play at Washington on Monday. They have a home game versus the Knicks on Wednesday, and they play the Pacers again on Friday. (laughs) Uh, I like Ben. uh, When we podcast next week, will the Pistons be over 500? Is Washington any good or are they terrible? I haven't watched them play yet. They've been, I mean, they're not dead in the water. But they're not very good, so they're one and four. I think they may be playing tonight. But that so that matchup always scares me, though. That's the thing. Like even if you forget records, that matchup always scares me because always got to watch out for the Ish Smith revenge game. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I, I have a hard time saying they're going to be over five hundred, but uh, outside chance they are five hundred. I think. All right, Joe. Uh, 
when uh when ben and i record next week and, and you're not here <laughs> will the distance be over 500 uh yeah i think they're gonna i think they're gonna beat washington because washington's got nobody to try and contain andre Drummond. like they're starting um thomas bryant they're starting like yeah they're saying yeah, thomas bryant who? is their starting center <laughs> thomas bryant who like i mean not nah, look thomas bryant's not a bad player he actually is a nice find because he was in the second round and he can play a little bit but he, 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 he's not holding up with Andre Drummond. Uh, so I think they're going to beat them because they're not very good. Admittedly, the Pacers, the Pistons right now are not very good. They'll beat the Pacers because they never lose to the Pacers anymore, apparently. Apparently, yeah. And they'll play Cleveland, and Cleveland is a trash fire. So No, they play the Knicks. They're not actually that bad so far. They play the Knicks on Wednesday. What's the difference, oh, trash Knicks. fire or right. trash yeah, fire? Knicks. <laughs> Wait, Knicks. Yeah, Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks are terrible too. So well, you don't love RJ Barrett? <laughs> I like RJ Barrett. He's actually looked good. I didn't think he would be any good at all, but he actually does look good. But the Knicks are still terrible. True. And there's no Reggie Bullock revenge game because he like got way out of shape this summer or whatever. I think he like he had an injury that precluded him getting out of shape. And so I think that's what that was. But uh yeah, it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. By the way, I'm gonna call him Fatso. <laughs> but so if they win all three games, which does not feel like out of the realm of possibility, they'll be six and four. Um, if Blake comes back on Monday, like the B guys were intimating over the weekend, it feels like pretty likely that they'll win all three of those games. Uh, he just jinxed it. Yeah, I know, right? Especially <laughs> since uh, Miles Turner isn't, I think he won't play that Friday game. He, uh, he tweaked his ankle a little bit and he'll be out for uh, the next couple of weeks. And so... I would love for them to be over 500 this week. I predicted them to go uh, one and three last week, and they were like, you know, two two breaths away from being uh, like two and one this or three and one on the week. They were never going to be Toronto. Like that wasn't going to happen. No big deal. No huge loss. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I think they, uh, I think they're fi- I think they're 500. I think they're five and five when uh, when we do this podcast on Sunday. And then uh, when we do this podcast on Sunday, I will always I'll also get to talk to Ben about how Michigan State beat Michigan in the <laughs> ugliest possible football game known to man. That'll be fun. Uh, all right. Uh, all right, Joe. Uh, thanks again for, for coming on, for being a guest, for uh, being willing to subject yourself to me and Ben for 45 minutes. Uh, what's the best place for people to read your work, uh, see your thoughts on, on what's going on with the uh, with the Pistons? Uh, you can read me now on Detroit Bad Boys. You can also, I put my stuff on Reddit and I've also got my own site. And then I'm on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. Yeah, that's me. You also got the uh, the hashtag Pistons podcast, right? Oh yeah. Me me and Kuka Hill, who is now credentialed at Pistons games. We're the, we're the most credentialed podcast in the, <laughs> in the realm. He's Shots fired. Game. I'm credentialed for the drive game. So, you know, we've got 100% credentials up in here. So. Ooh. you know pretty good yeah no that, i mean yeah rod beard dropped his own podcast and uh so i, I thought he would have yeah, your he's only oh. one for one though yeah double We're credential yeah, yeah twice as many we That's double cool. him <laughs> all right ben uh same thing what's uh what's the best place for people to read your uh, thoughts on the pistons uh i'm not credentialed but you can find me on twitter Hashtag page ray that's what i'm talking about we need to lock andre drummond up give him his money he's earned it oh man I'm, I'm getting more and more terrified of what that next contract's going to look like. It's going to be, it's going to be max or close enough to it that it's there's no difference. 
I mean, if if no one else has cap space, gotta gotta use the market against him. But man, yeah, if he plays if he plays like this all season, he, he very well might be worth it. Uh, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. It's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, you can read my work at Detroit Bad Boys, like you can for all of our illustrious guests on this podcast. And of course, I host another podcast, the Pistons versus Everybody podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Those drop on Thursdays um, this week. Hopefully, the Pistons will be two and zero for the week by the time that podcast comes out, and I'll be happy. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. All right, this has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>